0: Hey, podcast listeners, hope you're doing well, and I hope you are winning. Contracts. Before we get into today's episode, I want to take a minute to share something with you that's working for our clients. Our Federal Access Knowledge Base is helping companies win contracts every single day. I regularly get emails from members thanking us and saying things like, hey, I just won a $2 million contract. Many of you have seen a video that Chris Danbach shot for us at GovCon. Chris won two contracts totaling $30 million. One of our members emailed me this morning and said, the the turning point that opened my eyes was using Federal Access to establish a professional and systematic business development and RFP process. I've now won two contracts worth $480,000. Federal Access is helping a lot of companies win. It can help you too. So here's the deal. I have a special offer for you. Visit federal-access.com forward slash game changers today and get started for just $29. You're going to get access to a digital copy of the government sales manual, over 70 straight strategy videos, more than 30 webinars, 300 documents and templates, and one of my favorite pieces is SME support. So when you run into any issue, any challenge at all, you can email me directly for help. So go check out the special offer today at federal-access.com forward slash game changers. The link is in the description below the podcast. So go check that out today, federal-access.com forward slash game changers. So you can get started for just $29 today. Now let's hop into this episode. Welcome to Game Changers for Government Contractors. Game Changers is dedicated to helping you position for and win more government contracts. And now your hosts,
1: Josh and Mike.
0: My name is Michael Lejeune. I will be your host today on Game Changers. I also have Josh Frank with me today as my co-host this episode of Game Changers is sponsored by Federal Access. Federal Access makes beating your competition easier. It can improve your proposal win rate by 42%. It comes with a no BS guide to winning government contracts. So if you want to find and win more government contracts, check out Federal Access today at rsnfederal.com forward slash FA. Now let's get right into the show by welcoming our guest, John DeLuna. John is the founder of Technical Ascent. John, could you take a minute and tell our listeners a little bit about yourself and what Technical Ascent does?
1: Sure, absolutely. Uh, Thanks, Mike. So uh, yeah, Technical Ascent is a is a professional services consulting firm that reimagines government mission support and government operations as services whose focus it is to deliver a meaningful outcome to customers. You know, we believe that sustainable change in government really starts with a deep understanding of government's unique customers. And so we start there and we work backwards from the customer experience to design solutions. Tools, technologies, and talent that deliver a measurable result.
0: Yeah, and that, and that's a little bit of opposite of what most people are trying to figure out how to deliver the service, and then hopefully the customers like it and figure it out on the background. So you got you guys are actually taking that customer-centric approach and focusing on them first, which is, you know, what people should be doing, right?
1: So. That's exactly right. I mean, I think the other big thing about kind of our approach is – that uh, that it really drives employee engagement as well. So there's you know when we when we're focused when an organization's focused on its customers, it's a way to draw its own employees and bring the different stakeholders to the table and focus them on one common outcome.
0: Right. Which you know I think when you when you think about government you don't necessarily think they have my best interest in mind, or they're focused. I you, when I think government, I think the long line at the DMV, or I think you know getting on a phone call with the VA, and you're on your number one eighty-seven. You're really important to us. You're the next call, <laughs> you know, whatever. Not hey, you know that that I'm important to you. So I think you know having trying to switch the government's mindset. I bet I bet that's a big task for you guys, when you're working with the government to switch their mindset of being focused on the customer, not focused on our objectives of, you know, whatever that is. So
1: Right, right. I think, yeah, it's exactly, you hit the nail right on the head. I mean, if we, we think about government as being the world's largest service provider, I mean, if you think about the institution of government and what it's supposed to do, um, it, it's a service delivery organization. And so the question that we really start to ask is, you know, why shouldn't government be the model for how to deliver exceptional services, whether that be to uh, its citizens or whether it be in the mission support functions. If you're an IT service provider, the CIO organization or the finance and budget organization, you should be thinking about yourself as a government to government service provider mm-hmm. and yeah. looking for the explicit value that you can deliver to those customers. And, yeah. and you know, Mike, you, you mentioned one thing is is that, you know, I think that is the, the predominant thought is that you know, government do- doesn't care. But there's some also some really great examples where that's starting to change. There's some really talented folks who are bringing design thinking and human-centered design to places like GSA and uh, Department of Veteran Affairs and the Department of Homeland Security. And, uh, and the conversation is starting to change.
0: Well, and it, it's companies like yourself. That, that come in and spur some of that change as well. I mean, so that, that that's really awesome. So so let, let's get into the topic for today here, um, which is to bill or not to bill. You know, a lot of business owners or founders of companies find themselves faced in this dilemma on how to best use their time. You know, should I be focused on directly billing or on client projects? Or, you know, is my time better used building the business? I know I, I've had a lot of Legal clients in the past, I've had a lot of CPA clients in the in the past, and their focus is, I, I how much billable time did I have this week? That is always a focus for them. And so, what do you say to folks like this, who are you know just starting their government business, or even if they've been in a little while, about this time trap? that that they can get into because i i would say probably the best place to start is with a business plan right i mean when you go into your business plan you're building that that's probably a great place to look at first on how you're gonna delegate the you know i need to be billing versus i need to be building
1: right so yeah i think i think that's absolutely the first place to start i mean when you've when you've kind of conceived the business, the business goals, and the business model of, of what it is that you're going to try to deliver, um, you really need to be aware of uh, what your contribution to building the business um, is. And so it absolutely starts with, um, w- with the business plan and the assumptions that you start to build into the business plan. You know, w- we look at, um, or I think about it in terms of there's no, real, there's no right way or wrong way to do it. Both ways, um, companies can be successfully grown um, through either way, but there's trade-offs and there's opportunity costs that are associated with those um, different approaches. And so the business, business plan can help you um, be explicit about what those risks and trade-offs are right from the beginning.
0: Yeah, you know, you guys. I, I remember when you started spinning up your company, and you know, you moved across the country, and uh, you're kind of having the same conversations w- with your partner and what's going on. And I mean, what were some of the things that that you guys had to consider about that? With with knowing, hey, we're starting up a company, we're starting to focus on this. I mean, what are some of those initial considerations that went into your business plan? Uh, you know, some of those trade offs or or things that you're talking about.
1: Right. So, so I've actually done it both ways. Right. Um, we, we started a, my first company was uh, a bootstrapped business where we started by kind of billing um, exclusively our time. And, and Technical Ascent is a company where we've uh, explicitly focused on on the other strategy. So, you know, I think that the, the good news is, is if you come out of the gate and you're billing your time, you have access to that immediate revenue. The company's making money from from day one um you know you've probably put some time into thinking about the infrastructure costs you know making sure that you have the right technologies and tools and stuff like that in place um but really the you know your your primary um engine of growth comes from comes from billing and you know that's that's all well and good right like you, you get the immediate uh you get the immediate income um you know you you probably have a family that depends on that income and so so that that's a really good thing um the problem comes or at least the the problem shows itself when um that first contract starts to end or starts to wind down and then people you see people start to scramble around um okay well what is it that i'm going to do next and they look back into their organization and say okay Great. Now I gotta, you know, I gotta turn on my marketing function, or I gotta turn on my business development and capture function, and you know, frankly, it doesn't exist because because you know the founder hasn't invested uh, ha- hasn't invested the time and resources into building that piece. Um, on the flip side, if you decide to kind of split your time, you know, you, you may, maybe you bill some of your time, but you're also explicitly focused on. Uh, on building the infrastructure of, of the business, you don't get as much or um, you prolong that revenue or that income from coming into your business. So you don't get that immediate um, reward. And you know, there's a, a decision for the founder to determine how much they want to invest up front in the idea that they have before they're, uh, before they're willing to start to recoup some of those costs uh, through, through billable time.
0: Yeah, well, you know, and to me, government, you know, anything you're doing in the government is very different. And I think this is where a lot of people get hung up. It's very different than the commercial world. You don't just, you know, beat the streets, pick up the phone and have a contract on Friday and get a check, you know, in 15 or 30 days. That like that doesn't happen. So, I mean, you know, what you were talking about up front, the contract is ending. Oh, let's scramble to get a new one. Well, you should have been scrambling six, eight, ten, twelve months ago. Uh, you know that it's just not going to turn on that fast, and I think that's where a lot of people miss that. Especially, I, I've seen a lot of people who go out and they really focus on getting one of the certifications. You know, it's it's an eight a, day, it's their veteran certification, it's their woman certification, and think the money is just going to start rolling in on Monday after we get this on Friday, and it's just not the case. So, being able to balance your time. I, that's got to be a huge factor in all this, in your opinion. Um, without getting into specific numbers, you know how much how much money do you think you have to have in reserves to be able to afford to do both of these strategies? Because you really need to do them both at the same time. At least some balance of them. I mean, what what type of operating costs do you need to have in reserves, in your opinion, to to make this work?
1: Yeah, I mean, I think it obviously it depends on the idea and it depends on the, the business model and how quickly you're trying to scale. And of course, you know, the nature of the, the business. You know, I have a, a colleague of mine who um, builds very innovative uh, small boats for the government, um, shallow water uh, attack vessels, and uh, you know his capital costs are are huge um, in order mm-hmm. for him to go out and get the materials in order to kind of get that business. I mean you, you could be in the millions of dollars just to kind of invest on the front end just to get the materials and, and a lot of times um, you know but if you 're a professional services company and it 's just you or you and a partner or, or a small team I mean maybe you can do it for you know, one hundred thousand dollars or two hundred thousand um, dollars and it 's just enough to kind of get the bare bones. Um, infrastructure that you need in place in order to be in order to get the company um, functional and solvent.
0: Yeah. You know, a a lot of people recommend three, six months worth of cash reserves. And then every time I talk to somebody, they say, whatever you're thinking, double it. Do you find that to be true? Do, do Do you need to like double what you initially thought coming in in cash reserves?
1: Yeah, I mean, you know, to kind of – I think your point is perfectly made, right? So you said – your comment a couple minutes ago was you need to be thinking – that that contract could be six to nine to twelve months away. Um, honestly, we think in an eighteen to twenty-four month increment, mm-hmm. um, and and that's essentially double, right, of, yeah, of yeah. your your estimate. So yeah, I think that's absolutely the case. I mean the uh, the the evaluation cycle on um, a lot of the the government contracts that they're waiting we're waiting on. Um, it, it it just takes a considerable amount of of time, and you know, you the company has to remain solvent during that entire period.
2: Yeah, you, you know, Mike, I, I'm I'm listening to you and John talk, and and we've said something that's really important that I I think the the listeners need to really grasp from this conversation. You know, John, you said you know if you're turning off. You know, if you have to turn your marketing or your sales on, right, there's an issue. And, and, you know, if you're turning your marketing, your prospecting, your sales, your capture, whatever you want to call it on and off, odds are you're working for your company and you're not really running your company, right? And this, and, and I think this is really important because it impacts the consistency of business growth right? And so, you know, when you're talking, you know, do you, you know, Mike, when you ask the question, do you got to double, you know, I think for companies that are turning on business functions, right, on and off uh, throughout a a given year, oh, we got a contract, we don't have to worry about, you know, marketing right now. Well, that's not where you're going to get your business growth from, right? And you're just working for your company. And if you're doing it that way, yeah, you probably need to double or triple your cash reserves. So I think it's a great, it's a great conversation that that you guys are having right now because you don't want to be turning stuff on and off. If if you are turning it on and off, you're working for your company. You're not running your company. Yeah.
0: You know, what, what I would tack on in the end of that is I, I often tell people if you're switching it on and off, understand you have a job. You don't have a business. Because a, a job is probably going to you know it 's going to let 's say you 're making fifty thousand or one hundred thousand dollars whatever the number is and you 're turning it on and off in order to make sure you 're clocking that one hundred thousand dollars a year but you know as, as Josh said if you 're leaving it on that 's where the growth will come, and your hundred will turn to one hundred and twenty to one hundred and fifty to two hundred and 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 so on um, but it 's a very dangerous game to play by turning it on and off so so John, how have you seen? Uh, this play out in other companies. Do you have some examples of this you can share with us?
1: Yeah, absolutely. <clears throat> so without getting into you know some of the specific thing, I mean, I think the classic example is is that you know someone's working for a company and they have a particular um, they have a a, a client. And the client comes to them and says. Hey, listen. If you know you had mentioned that uh, you're interested in maybe going off and starting your own, and, and I know that there's you know some work that's coming up that I think you'd be a good fit for. And if and if you left you know X Y Z company that you're in and you wanted to go off and start your own thing, um, you know I I can support you in that, right? Um, so the business really starts with this kind of immediate consulting gig, right? You leave, you leave as an employee. Uh, you leave on Friday as an employee of you know XYZ company, and you show up on the client site on Monday as kind of you know John Deluna Incorporated, and um, and and then right out of the gate, your you know the expectation is from your client, of course, is, is that um, things are not going to change. I'm going to get the same level of service that I got last week on Friday. I'm going to get it again. Um, this week. And so the, you know, the classic struggle here is, is that a, a savvy entrepreneur is going to start looking for that next, uh, that next gig, right? They're going to start looking at that. And, and so you start to, you, know, you bill your eight to 10 hours a day. Um, you go home in the afternoon, um, and then you start doing your business development and your kind of marketing, you're trying to get a website up. You're trying to do all that kind of stuff, um, in, in the background. Right. Um, you know, another example of this is, is that uh, there's a, you know, there's a founder, um, a founder of a company who's particularly well known, right? And so they decide to go off and, and their business model is we're going to leverage kind of the notoriety of this particular um, individual. And we're going to start with consulting because that's going to be the primary driver of immediate revenue. But our, our longer term goal is, is well, once that generates um enough income, we're going to pivot and we're going to do more of a product development focus. Mm -hmm. Um, and again, you know, the, the idea here is, is that the, that the founder is kind of immediately immersed in, uh, and potentially overly immersed in the actual operations, um, of the company. Um, and then, you know, the third, the, a third example is, uh, you know, someone comes just like you had said, you, you come with some initial capital investment, um, and you're prepared to, uh, invest that capital over, you know, the first six to 12 months. And that covers some of your operating and infrastructure costs. And, and potentially you don't take a salary during that initial, um, initial time while, while you're working to get kind of the business infrastructure built and established and, and operating, um, uh, efficiently.
0: Yeah. So you mentioned something really interesting there in that first example, you know, the, the client, uh, you know, kind of lures you as an employee to start your own business in some sort of way. So I've run into this a lot. And I know, you know, you've mentioned this before in the past, many companies feel like if I win a contract, or the company gets hired because of me personally, that's when you feel like, hey, I've got to do all the work, I've got to be on site, I'm the only one that can touch this. Like, how, how do you respond to that? Right. So, you know,
1: I think um, so it's a classic thing, right, is, is that you want you want to be able to um, deliver the same. You want your company, uh, which is obviously attached to your personal reputation, to deliver the same quality of services um, that you would personally. And, uh, and and this is kind of you know, this is where the, the argument starts to really fall apart is, is that that's great, um, because as you can deliver that particular service yourself uh, over that initial period of time, once you try to scale that, there's none of none of the quality processes in place. There's none of the checks to make sure um, that as you add another person into the into the organization or introduce a new capability, there's no established process that you're able to use that can then transcend and apply to these other um, these other capabilities or these other offerings, right? So you, fall, you find yourself in that trap um, right away. So I think to really you know, kind of counter that is when you're, when you're talking with the client, you don't, you you need to be humble. Um, And I think humility kind of goes a long way in this case. You need to focus on the outcome being delivered um, and the capabilities being delivered. How, how are things changing in that customer's environment without necessarily taking all the credit for it um, yourself? And I think that's hard. I mean, the typical founder mentality um, is going to be, Hey, I, you know, I, I did this and I made this impact. Right. Um, but that that's where you start setting the trap for the client, because the client, of course, believes you and says, well, then how am I going to function um, w- without that individual in place? Right. Right. So yeah. right at right out of the get go, you have to be you know, working with the client to help them understand the outcome that they're trying to achieve, but then also explain to them. Um, how all of these kind of support processes and the fact that you're investing in these support processes actually help them deliver that outcome more consistently and and more reliably. Mm-hmm. And, and that becomes kind of the key factors. It's not how do we do this today, not that we hit a home run today, but how do we, how are we consistently hitting singles and doubles um you know, every, every single week that we're in, we're in operations.
0: Yeah. You know, and, and I think it's an important distinction there that a lot of business owners need to grasp. And you, you, you started off with using the word I a lot. And I think that's what a lot of business owners, you know, I've got to do this and I'm responsible and I, and I, and you transitioned into we, you know, how are we going to do this? And I think it's a huge mindset thing of I've got to do it all. But when you go in thinking, well, we, I'm going, I'm going to build the team. So I need to start looking at we it. And there. there's a lot of sales savviness to that point of being able to position that you're going to bring in somebody who knows what you do and is actually better than you. You're if you loved me, you're really going to love John on this contract because he does everything I do plus and he's way better. You know, there's a there's a lot of that savviness that I think a lot of them don't have initially coming in because it's all about me. It's all about that figure and you know I got the contract and, and and I know your situation where you know people don 't even understand they have a lot of tunnel vision don 't even see things that when you bring in that other person they 're going to open up a whole new world of possibilities so big big distinction there the i versus the we and how you position that with the the client so you can go sell more stuff so that so that 's really really huge so okay. so what what are some of the time traps that owners can have around this, you know, I'm sure you've experienced this before. There's just, just, I, I call them time traps of I'm thinking I got to bill, but I'm thinking I got to build the business. And there's, there's places in the middle where you think you're doing something productive, but you're only busy. Like, 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 what are some of those time traps that you've seen?
1: Yeah, I think, um, yeah, I think that there's, there's a, a, a lot of founders are very capable in lots of different ways, right? Maybe you have some you have some web experience and you've done a little bit of web design. You know, maybe kind of you're you're a good program manager. Um, you you're you have a certification in Lean Six Sigma or something like that. And so you think that oh wait a second I can cover all of these bases myself, and so therefore I should. Um, And then you very quickly realize that, you know, hey, in order for me to kind of do web design, I'm not as I'm not as uh, sharp as I used to be on this stuff. And so now you have to go back and kind of relearn that capability and you don't founders don't necessarily value their time in the same way that they would pay for that equivalent service. Right. So so you think about, hey, I'm going to just if it takes me six or seven hours to knock out this uh, this particular task. But I could have paid an expert to do it in in one hour. What's the what's the differential in what's my time worth? Right? How how much uh, how much am I willing to put into this before I can um, hand it off to somebody else? I think I think that's a that's a big thing. It's just thinking about how you um, you invest your your time. Um, I think the other thing is is on the front end, you really want to look for. These kind of I talk a lot about these business support functions and this business infrastructure. Um, the, the good news here is is that there's a lot of this, a lot of the services that are available to small businesses today will scale with your business. So on the front end of the, on the front end of the decision whether or not to engage one of these service providers, um, you have to do your due diligence to think, well, yes, this capability, um, this particular piece of technology will help me today. Um, but how is this going to scale to um, when I have 10 people or, or 20 people or, or 30 people? And so, you know, thinking about that on the front end, I think, is a good investment of, of time. Um, how does my investment in this particular capability today, how does that reduce the kinds of decisions that I have to be making um, down the road? And so those might be opportunities for a founder to spend more time and to do more research to try to look at all the different, um, alternatives out there, but be thinking about their business in three to five years, uh, in the future so that when, when the, when they get there, they're not having to go back and, and recheck those assumptions.
0: Yeah, no, no, that's great. You know, I, I think it's even, it's not just business tasks. I've seen it on the personal side too. I, I had this one client that, um, he, about the fifth or sixth meeting in, I was like, why are you always so exhausted? We, we were meeting on a Thursday and he said, well, you know, it's summertime, Tuesdays and Wednesdays. I actually, I mow grass for eight hours each day. I spend each week, I spend 16 hours mowing grass and I just stopped him. and I'm like, Greg, how much are you, is, is your time worth? And we sat down and I said, how much is your time worth selling? And we did some math and the number was $350 an hour. That's how much this guy's time was worth selling. And I said, how many hours do you have to sell to be able to afford to pay somebody to cut grass for the whole month? he's like, probably – and he just stopped. He's like, it's probably not even a half an hour, and I wouldn't have to kill myself doing all that. So he stopped that, and we actually took that business. We, we more than doubled it in the first year because he now had 16 hours a week back in his life – to focus on the business, he actually spent five of those fishing every week, <laughs> but but he took some of those back and and that's how he was able to double the business by getting somebody to cut the grass in the summer. you know it, it, you know you mentioned web development, and I think people look at those things, but they don't necessarily think some of those personal things that could be bogging them down so we're as business owners you know i am a business owner, josh a business owner, you're a business owner as business owners, we do get into these places where you know we are kind of control freaks sometimes and it's hard to delegate a task. To say, hey, you know, I I know I could do this, but, you know, and I know I could do it 100% to my satisfaction. What is the mindset shift or what are the tips you have for saying it's okay for somebody else to do it and it not to be the same as mine? You know, maybe have some tips.
1: Yeah, I think um, I mean I think just understanding kind of valuing your time is is probably and just being aware, right? When we're investing our time, um, you know, we can squeeze in a half hour here and forty five minutes there, and and, you know, you can stay up a little bit later and kind of make that happen. When you're actually pulling out your wallet and handing over a credit card or cash, it becomes a little bit more real. But those two behaviors have to be treated. similarly from from a founder's perspective right from the business owner's perspective is they have to be thinking about those those investments explicitly and the kind of, um, you know, and and just and really pick. I mean, I think one of the things is, is, you know, even even as an example in our company, um, you know, tax implications get very complicated very quickly. You're doing work in multiple states, Um, even with a small team, you need to be able to answer some, you know, relatively complex questions about paying your taxes. And hey, listen, I, I have an MBA and I'm pretty good at math and I could probably do the research to, to go and get these questions answered um, today. But next week, if there's a follow on question, I kind of have to start again you know, with that research yeah, and kind of bring yeah. myself back up to speed. And you don't think about that, you know, how that compounds itself over and over and over again. And so by thinking about um, what, what team you need to have in place from the beginning and the kinds of services that you're you're going to need and really starting to develop some relationships early on in um your your standing up the business those relationships will continue with you as the business grows. And so you want to make sure mm-hmm. that you have a good team that's backing you up from the beginning. And And those folks could start as just informal advisors. You know, you have a friend that's a good lawyer and you, you bounce some questions off them at the beginning. Um, and then as you grow, you're bringing them on, on as on a retainer. And then as you grow some more, you're bringing them on as a full time kind of legal department kind of thing. And so, yeah. you know, those those relationships can scale over time, but you really want to invest in on the front end to make sure that you're getting the expertise that complements um, your, your own weaknesses. Um, and I think the other thing is just the self-awareness piece of it is, is you know, we tend to be, we're, we're all resourceful, right? You didn't start a business because you weren't resourceful. Um, but just also kind of being self-aware about what are the biggest strengths? Why am I doing this? And being willing to pay for the services that you need um, to complement those.
0: Yeah, no, that, that's really important. And I, I think you mentioned something that, that just stuck out to me there about when you're handing over money and just the psychological difference when you're handing over money. And and the, the question I would pose to people, because I've seen us do this. I've seen us take a look and say, well, you know, okay, so that's $100 a year or $500 a year for this subscription. So let's actually ask some questions, right? And you get intelligent. But when it's you just doing the work, you don't ask those intelligent questions. So the the question I pose back to people like that is, would you hire you to do your web development? You know, would you actually open your wallet and pay cash to actually hire you to do the web development? And a lot of times you're gonna say, "Oh well, but there's no way I'd hire me." Then why are you actually doing your web development or, or your whatever if you wouldn't hire you and pay the money? Because guess what, you are paying the money. It's just not coming out of your pocket right now because it's not going in. You know, right, so so it's, right. it's just very. It's a big psychological difference when you when you talk cash like that. So as we wrap up here, this has all been really good stuff. Uh, do you have some final thoughts for the listeners on the the to bill or not to bill topic here?
1: Yeah, I just want to stress that um, the key thing is is that uh, that there's no right or wrong answer. You just have to be really aware of the risks um, and the opportunity costs associated with, with the decision. Um, and then I think the other kind of thing is, is, you know, be humble, be, be self-aware, take some time on the front end, just to kind of be understand what your own strengths are and, uh, and where you're not as strong and really seek out that team, um, to be able to support, support, uh, you through the growth of your business.
0: Yeah, no, that's huge. Good
2: stuff. Yeah, You know, if I can add something on top of it, uh, you know, first of all, this is one of my favorite podcasts, that we've had so far. Uh, really appreciate uh, you coming on, John. Uh, absolutely outstanding. And I don't think this has come out, Mike. But you know the, the techniques and strategies that that John has walked us through here today. Um, I, I don't think it's come out. Uh, John isn't technical ascent. One is one of the winning companies on the Department of Veterans Affairs advisor five hundred million dollar contract. Isn't that right?
1: Yeah, that's correct. Uh, we're in year two of of delivery of that of that contract.
2: Oh, that's awesome. So, yeah, I just wanted to make sure that uh, our listeners, some of whom are government employees, right, um, recognize that it, you're not just talking the talk; you're walking it as well, and, and that gives a lot of credence to, to what you're giving us today. So thank you so much.
0: Mm-hmm. Yep. No powerful stuff, John. So thank you so much for being on the show today. I look forward to having you back on. You, you have a wealth of knowledge on a ton of things. So we, uh, we want to have you back on here in the near future. So thank you so much
1: great thank you yeah it's been a pleasure always always a pleasure talking to you guys I get uh, a ton out of the conversation myself
0: good good deal we really appreciate it so I I also want to thank all of our listeners for joining us today on this episode remember you can find every episode on iTunes SoundCloud and Stitcher just look for Game Changers for government contractors and subscribe to the feed to make sure you get every episode you can also learn more about each of our guests by visiting the official Game Changers website at rsmfederal.com forward slash game changers where we have links to their websites bios and any special offers or anything like that from them and finally please visit our sponsor for today's episode the federal access program at rsmfederal.com forward slash fa for more information on how you can find and win more government contracts
1: Thanks for listening to Game Changers for Government Contractors. For a full list of episodes and other resources, be sure and check us out on the web at www.rsmfederal.com slash gamechangers.